Mindful Self-Indulgence contains adult language, content, and spoilers for the topic at hand. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Sarah D. Let's talk about Bare Naked Ladies. are you what what do you do and how do how do we know each other so um so i am a children's librarian that is what i do as a job um but we met back in 2003 probably 0304 it's right in that yes right when the band five iron frenzy broke up and a sad mediocre little band called roper took its place and there was a message board on on which we met with a bunch of our other strange friends so yes it has been that long and here we are on a podcast yes the running theme of this year seems to be hey all these people i talked to back in 2004 hey you're you're all self-absorbed like white people you want to come and talk about yourself for an hour pretty much we have things to talk about (laughs) We spent all that time in 2004 on a message board. We still we still like being nerds and talking about things, I suppose. No, for sure. Um, <laughs> so I, I asked you what you wanted to come on the show to talk about. And I think we went back and forth on maybe a couple things and we landed on Bare Naked Ladies. We did. Why Bare Naked Ladies? So... <laughs> I would like to to walk everyone through my my sort of journey of falling in love with music, which really did involve the Bare Naked Ladies and and how they continued to have an impact on my life as a band for for long after that. And for people in a very particular age group, the thing to do in the late 1990s if you wanted to make a mixtape, like let's say you were too young to have money to go out and like buy cassette tapes or CDs with which to have songs to make a mixtape. Um, and you were too old to, I mean, like people who came later, they could like Napster and LimeWire that stuff when they were, <laughs> when they were kids. Right. But for people in this, this one tiny little span of time who had nothing better to do with their time and no money, we would sit with our little boom boxes and our little cassette tapes <laughs> and wait patiently for songs to come on the radio. And, and you'd want to, you know, hit record before the song itself actually started playing. So, you know, you, you never knew what you were going to get. Oh, is that, oh, you know, cause you want to get the beginning of the song mm-hmm. anyway. So, so it was somewhere around like fifth grade to sixth grade when I started doing this a lot more. And that was actually the, the summer that, um, that Stunt, the album that got the Bare Naked Ladies big and famous, um, came out. And there was like this particular radio station in Orlando. I don't think it lasted more than a year or two after this 1998 <laughs> period. Um, but it was called She 100.3. There was nothing especially feminine about it. I don't know why 
it was she. But what it was, was this like glorious mecca of all that was good about late 90s alt rock. <laughs> and so, um, you know, like all the, like the Matchbox 20 and the Smash Mouth and the, you know, Bare Naked Ladies. Um, for like little like fifth grader me i was just discovering that i loved music and i could record it and i could um you know make my little tapes and um so obviously one week like was huge and was played all the time especially on my dearly beloved um she 100.3 uh and then i think the other one that got a lot of play was um it's all been done which i don't it was never as famous as one week, but uh, there was something that I just loved, especially about It's All Been Done. Like, it just had such a, like, joyful, bouncy fun to it. And there were some, like, key changes that, I mean, again, as like a little, like, sixth grader, I was like, musically, that's so cool. That's so fun. This is so special <laughs> and joyful and lovely. And I just love this um i think at the time i had i had three cds to my name this was like a big deal um one of them had been given to me with the the christmas gift of my first little boom box um that was the bangles greatest hits um mm. i had a lot of fun like dancing around the living room to that <laughs> the other one no the next one was a a blues traveler CD, which I was sort of disappointed in. Cause I really just liked that one song and uh, run around. Ne never, never really got into the rest of the album. <laughs> the third one <laughs> was a Hanson CD that somebody gave me for my birthday in fifth grade. And to be fair, that got a lot of play. I, oh, man. I did the Hanson thing for a while in fifth grade. Um, oh, you, I don't, I don't blame you. See, here's the thing. Hanson is from Hanson is from where I'm from. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you some things about Hanson. <laughs> uh, I don't even know if I want to know anything about Hanson. Yeah, uh, nobody wants to know anything about Hanson. That's the that's the cold hard truth of that is the cold hard truth of life. <laughs> oh man! Um, so I had these three CDs, and here were these two songs from this band on the radio that I just adored. I really really wanted to buy the album stunt by bare naked ladies um at the time being in fifth or sixth grade or whatever it was mm -hmm. you get those you remember those um they were like little magazine type you want to buy some cds here check the ones you want to buy and order you know i don't know right. that's how i thought you bought cds at the time yeah, mail order catalogs. <laughs> mail they, order uh, catalogs. Yeah, they 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 had them for popular stuff and then like zine culture and like for like like punk and like the hardcore scene. They had those as well in the back of like uh, okay. those zines as well. But yeah, those were totally a thing in the like mid to late nineties. Yeah, I think I was I was too young for the like the punk stuff yet, but we had these little mail away cd things and i was just like i would love to purchase this cd can i can i do so with my allowance money and my mom looks at it and okay i did not grow up in like a conservative christian household or anything but i did grow up in a very overprotected first child um 
I don't know, just very overprotective. And she's like, that says bare naked ladies. <laughs> no, you are not. You are not going to have that, that sweetie. Sarah, you're 12. I'm not buying you bare naked ladies. I was also the only person who wasn't allowed to see the second Austin Powers movie in like seventh grade, but we won't even go there. I wasn't missing much, I'm sure, but <laughs> in social currency, that was a big deal. So I was very sad and had to be content with my um, my my radio mixtapes. Um, however, a few years passed, um, and we got into the era of an amazing thing called Half dot com, <laughs> which is no longer in existence. <laughs> And I think eventually, after a few years went by, I, I finally convinced my parents that, first of all, this was a legitimate website. It was eventually owned by eBay or whatever. And if, if they could just enter their credit card number in here and here, I will give them the allowance money. I'm just going to, to <laughs> buy these very cheap CDs and it's an excellent deal. And I'm, I'm really being quite frugal and, um, and getting a very good deal on the CDs that I wish to purchase now that CDs are more normal. It's been a few years. Um, and somehow or another, I managed to slide in stunt with one of my, <laughs> with one of, one of my half.com orders in between like that Lisa Loeb album. And I don't even remember what else Lisa Loeb and the bare naked ladies. That was my like middle school. <laughs> Like buying the bare naked ladies as a rebellious act, like as a like I got away with it is peak roper board. Just <laughs> yes, it really is. That that pretty much sums up our <laughs> our collective experience growing our up when we did. Little, yes. <laughs> oh boy. So um, so yeah, I could finally listen to. The the entire album continued to love it. I think there was one summer where I would just always. I would always put it on like as I was going to bed and fall asleep to it. And that's not something that I usually do. It's usually hard for me to fall asleep to music, but I was just so, I don't know, comforted by it and just loving that I finally got to listen to the whole thing. <laughs> um, so that was, I, you know, victory. I finally. <laughs> you did it. You got the thing. Yes, I did. I got the thing. And, um, yeah, so for, for a few years after that, like I continued to remain very fond of stunt, but, you know, I went to high school and, you know, high school things happened and, you know, bare naked ladies were not, uh, an integral part of my life for a while. <laughs> sure. Um, until about 2007, uh, when, I mean, the Roper board, the Roper board kids, we, <laughs> we endured for a long, long time. And, um, eventually I started, well, I got to be really good friends with, um, and eventually long distance dated our mutual friend, Blake, um, who is no longer with us, but Blake mailed me in the mail, uh, a burned version of Bare Naked Ladies Are Me. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is what they've been up to. 
where have I been? Like, this is amazing. And I love stunts so much. Why didn't I ever follow up and, you know, follow them as they kept, um, you know, going on in their musical journey. Um, And so I listened the heck out of, out of our me. And, um, and whenever I, I mean, whenever I spent any time with Blake, it was always like the extended bare naked ladies, um, collection on every like road trip and it's just happy happy road tripping music um and it was yeah just awesome seeing what else they had been up to um and blake also told me about something they had been doing for several years the bare naked ladies called ships and dip and that is um or was an exclusively like bare naked ladies headlined cruise. I think they were, they were pioneering the music cruise thing before it was like a big popular thing that lots of bands did. So this was like, you know, early, early on, they had their own cruise. Mm-hmm. Uh, with like lots of Canadian bands. It was like a big <laughs> Canadian cruise out of Florida. I don't know. Um, although I think you had to either be, you had to either be 21 or married to somebody. 21 or married. You know, like, you know, when you go into a bar and they check your driver's license and or marriage license to make sure you're good. <laughs> like maybe if you can't drink, they want you to be entertained. I, I don't I don't, know. I don't, uh, I don't know. <laughs> really weird. Again, I'm like 19 at the time. So um, anyway, but. Yeah, so that was an interesting thing. Like, that is so cool that they have their own crews. Um, and then in 2008, 2009, a, a few things happened, like, like really close together. Um, so first of all, in the summer of 2008, um, Bare Naked Ladies were going to play it was some kind of big event that was like either put on or sponsored by disney somehow disney was involved somehow and right before this like leading up to it was when stephen page of the bare naked ladies was arrested on cocaine charges from his girlfriend's home although at the time he was also still married like he had separated from somebody and had a girlfriend and was possibly doing cocaine with her or something. I don't know. Like I, I do not know precisely what happened, but it was a, he was arrested and drama and, um, the most rock star thing that could possibly oh yes. ever be connected most- with, with bare naked ladies. Exactly. And so because of, because I don't know, I think the other guys felt awkward, or thought thought that Disney would feel awkward or something. They they bowed out of that um that Disney event, and so that was like summer two thousand eight, and then it was also in late two thousand eight that that um that that my relationship ended and sort of I was sort of going through some um going through a thing <laughs> as one uh, does as one does as one does, uh, and then like. Early in 2009, uh, my grandmother passed away and I was living in like the Chicago suburbs at the time. So I flew down to Florida for the funeral to be with family. 
And I'm just like listening to the radio, like in the car when we're driving somewhere and just happened to hear on the radio that Bare Naked Ladies are playing the Universal Studios, um, like Mardi Gras thing smack dab in the middle of like my spring break when I'm going to be back in Florida the next month. And I'm, Oh my gosh, what, what are the chances? Oh my gosh. Um, so I like immediately knew, okay, that is, that is happening spring break. Um, and like right at the end of that month was when Stephen page left the bare naked ladies. They parted ways. He was not a bare naked lady anymore after, after all those years. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was really jarring for them. And in like a weirdly projecting kind of way, kind of jarring for me, like, because I, I did have attachments, like a relationshipy kind of attachment to the band. And so when that was crumbling and now bare naked ladies are crumbling and, you know, rah, emotions, mm-hmm. Um, but I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be at that show if they're still going to play it. And, uh, and I went, I was going to go alone to Universal Studios, which I have done before, but, (laughs) uh, like a random acquaintance ended up being willing to drive five hours just to go to the show with me for, for kicks. And, um, and it was the most like that show, which was their first show without Stephen Page was, and it was my first Bare Naked Ladies show. I was just the the coolest, most like healing thing <laughs> um, because it's, I'm like, like, I'm here. I made it. I'm living the dream. Here's my like random friend who's here with me. And, and even though everything sucks right now and I got dumped and my grandma died and everything is awful, but like, look, it's awful for them too. And here they are. And here I am. And it was just this. This wonderful thing. And I'm pretty sure the show started out with testing one, two, three, which is like a um, kind of like a, I mean, it was like a test, like here we are, um, you know, in a different form, minus, minus somebody and, and we're here and we're doing things anyway. Um, also, that song is explicitly about the end of a relationship and watching the start of another one happening. Right. So it was, (laughs) that was like a, a real, a real moment right there. So if I had to pick a song from Bare Naked Ladies that is like my Bare Naked Ladies song, Mm -hmm. that would probably be it. Um, Because I had, Blake also introduced me to the band Mm -hmm. because, uh, because there are a few bands that are pretty like ubiquitous with that, like, like, I, I'm not going to be able to listen to like Bare Naked Ladies or Catatonia or Five Iron Frenzy and not think of Blake. Mm-hmm. That's never going to be a thing in my life where some part of me does not have that attachment to that material. And I, that's the song that I latched onto because that happened in 2006. I had just come out of a messy breakup. Um, and I think I literally had some of like some song lyrics sitting in my ex's car. And so whenever it gets to that part, that just hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. And I've also had experiences with bands where uh, recently I talked about this on the show um, with the band, the wonder years where it feels like 
everything's falling like you you were talking about how it felt like everything was falling apart for you but mm-hmm. also it seemed like the band was just kind of like crumbling and falling apart at the same time yeah and then the newest wonder years record kind of hit me the same way all every the last like four of their records have hit me that way because it always seems to just happen right when right when i need it and that one especially last year when i was going through all my health stuff and i'm mm-hmm. still going through health stuff but i'm less on a razor's edge uh, at the moment so whenever whenever you talk about that um just from like one individual to another like yeah i get that and that is a super valuable and hella cathartic moment Music is a thing that can transport you in a way that some other things maybe just just don't have the ability to, or at least for me, they have the ability to transport me in the way that other media doesn't. I can watch a movie and I can get wrapped up in it, but I'm wrapped up in what's going on on screen. Or mm-hmm. I can read a book and I can get wrapped up and I can get transported to what is happening on the page. And that's the world that they're inhabiting. But whenever I listen to a song, I you can be transported to the narrative that they are putting forth, but at the same time, uh, it may be resonating with something that you personally have gone through. And yes, I don't know how much of that word salad made any sense, but all that to say, uh, a catharsis that you, that it sounds like you were able to experience in that moment is a wonderful, incredibly healing thing that can happen. Um, to just kind of like allow, whatever media you were experiencing at that time to kind of uh to kind of drag you along whether that's drag you drag you further down in order to get back like to breach the surface or whatever it may be lift you up in that moment just to be able to go hey you guys are with me i know you're just i know you're just a band and i don't know you personally but it feels like you're with me i don't feel quite so alone in what with whatever i am going through in this moment and I've rambled in it. <laughs> well, like in the uh, in the children's librarian professional world, we talk a lot about um, mirrors and windows and sliding doors in children's literature. Which, <clears throat> what that's actually referring to is um, in terms of in terms of diversity. Like, there's been a not as much diversity as there should be in children's publishing in terms of like main characters and, um, and works actually being published, uh, or I'm sorry, being written by people of color, uh, you know, people with native American heritage writing about people of that, you know, I mean, you can have (laughs) lots and lots of white authors writing through the, through the eyes of black characters, but no, we, we really just need more black authors writing black character, you know? So, sure. so in terms of mirrors and windows and sliding doors, so like the, the mirror is a, a child being able to see themselves um, in the story and a window is, you know what, that might not be your personal experience, but you should still like, we still want kids to be able to read about people who aren't like them because that's, that's the whole point of reading. <laughs> like, sure. Um, <laughs> We want, we want that. And then sliding doors is like being a little more able to, to kind of enter in where it, where it kind of crosses into, you know, your life and your experience and, and, and it's kind of a little mishmash, but 
sometimes you need mirrors and sometimes you need windows and 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 music especially can can be like that uh you know that that mirror when you need it or or a window um or <laughs> apparently a sliding door if you're like oh the band's crumbling and i'm crumbling and and we're gonna make it through this i don't know yeah and i think with bare naked ladies in particular when their songs are about a relationship they're very clearly about a relationship (laughs) and um and are not afraid to be very emotional in whatever tone the song is in um and so that's another like it's very direct. And so there, there were like a few songs that I really latched onto in my like raging rage or, you know, just that, that period of time where you need to, to heal. Um, mm-hmm. Have you, have you listened to upside down very much? I feel like I was listening to that earlier today. So it is the, <laughs> it's the strangest, like it's, it's like that accordion dominant, um, like, what do you, I don't even know what you call the style, like a like a Russian polka. What do you call that <laughs> style, <laughs> where it's like very accordion dominant and and kind of these um, minor chords. Um, anyway, it's they, it's they definitely brush up against polka from time to yeah. time. <laughs> yes, and I love that so much. Um, but so it's it's like a a polka thing um but it's also like this um this very assertive um okay this relationship has ended and you other person are appear to very definitely be moving on and you know what i am i am not gonna let myself be phased i will not turn my life upside down i'm like everything is as it should be and i have no regrets in a very assertive very polkified way <laughs> and i would just crank the heck out of that in my in my little gmc jimmy up in no i mean i guess it's a big gmc jimmy uh up in the like wintry illinois slush that i couldn't drive in because i'm from florida <laughs> and just like take solace in singing my heart out along with Stephen page <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's 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 a weird like angry you're not gonna i'm not gonna be down forever polka song um right and it comes right after testing one two three so like thematically right. on that record it flows from that whole like i don't know how to feel about this like no i feel upset about this <laughs> <laughs> oh man and um yeah so that like i must have just played that over and over and over again and you know what and and it made me feel better and that's the job of the music that means a lot to us sometimes Mm -hmm. continuing in that healing journey so i i I was there for bnl's very first stephen pageless show um and then they actually after that started to schedule shows a bit more uh a lot of them actually happened to be up in the either (laughs) illinois area or at least in the tri-state area and i started going to as many shows as i could whether that meant driving to milwaukee or rockford or 
Davenport, Iowa, <laughs> Grand Rapids. Um, I was just, I think I was, I was by myself for pretty much all of those shows, but I just started um, driving out on the weekends when, when I could catch a Bare Naked Ladies show. And this was right when they were, um, they were actually working on an album at that point, even, even sans Stephen Page. And the first like single from that album that they kind of debuted um, at these, at these shows they were playing was called You Run Away, which like in the grand scheme of my like love for bare naked ladies doesn't doesn't stand out to me as like a super musically notable song but it was mm-hmm. very like it was very obviously about or partially about or influenced by like the fact that Stephen Page left um and i i believe in interviews that was confirmed um but it was kind of like ed robertson like pouring his heartbreak out right there on stage um there's a lyric like i tried to be your brother uh, you run away and i mean (laughs) stephen page ran away um yeah exactly uh so that was seeing that on stage again was sort of part of that um part of that process but they were they were writing an album like that was being put towards like a new creative endeavor that that they were this was like a continuation of that of that process of um Mm -hmm. grieving and and doing something constructive with it and uh gosh there was there was one other time when they were promoting that album when and this amazes me to this day they they ended up playing, I believe it was in a Southside Chicago pub, an actual pub. Like they're big. They had a whole cruise they headlined. <laughs> and here they are in this like Southside pub, like doing their, okay. When they're live, they, they like improvise strange raps and like <laughs> do these weird like rap loops. They're just, it's the funniest thing. Um, I, I've never seen anybody improv rap (laughs) quite quite exactly the way they do um but yeah i think i dragged a roommate with me to that show because it was in chicago but um but this was all like right around that time that um that their first you know album after steve which was called uh all in good time came out and um and at that point i I was coming to terms with the fact that I didn't really think I wanted to be a high school English teacher, but I had sunk a lot of money into committing to that and a lot of student loans. So Mm -hmm. I was having kind of a crisis and went to live in like a sort of like a commune thing over the summer in Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. And um, I did a lot of a lot of chores on the commune while I had my little iPod and and was listening to all in good time, like over and over and over again. Um, Again, kind of at that next stage in my process, BNL had done something constructive and I was trying to figure out, okay, what, (laughs) what, what the hell am I going to do? (laughs) Uh, Which, 
which took a little, sure. a little time to figure out. I did, in fact, get, I think it was, a, it was a couple of different interviews for a high school English teaching position. <laughs> the second interview, quite unintentionally, I mean, again, I was, I was so not wanting to do this, but I guess I accidentally nailed the interview and, <laughs> and got a job teaching. <laughs> Um, you poor thing. It, it was terrible. <laughs> it was the most like I had like panic attacks every day. I I would wake up oh. and be like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to go to school. This is terrible. I would get off from school and I would like flop down at Starbucks and try to start grading papers and and that would be my entire evening and I still wouldn't be done. It was it was a rough a rough time but even before even before i started um that miserable job i had also convinced i I was i was dead set on this i was like okay they they took a year off but they have announced another ships and dip i am i am going on ships and dip (laughs) i'm 21 now (laughs) I don't have to be married to anyone. <laughs> you, you can't stop me. Yep. Yep. Nobody can stop me. I even like put in time with the school and I said, look, I know this is not, I know this, this is a random week and it's not spring break week or anything. It's a random week in February. I, I need to be gone this week. And they were okay with it. <laughs> so I think I, I found some people online. This was, okay. This was not Roper board. Roperboard was like a bunch of cute little high school kids who had been really sheltered and, and wanted to go to Christian music festivals. And sometimes <laughs> this, did, when yes. our moms allowed us. Exactly. <laughs> this was the, the truly out there internet of like really strange people who are big enough fans of bare naked ladies that they want to go on a cruise. Oh, oh. And the other thing about ships and dip is that there's a, um, <laughs> I can't believe I'm talking about this on a podcast. There's a, <laughs> there, this tradition that they do um, every time they do a, uh, <laughs> I can't believe I'm this. <laughs> they do a, um, a naked photo where everybody goes out on the, um, the, the pool deck, like on the cruise in like towels or robes or whatever and then just drop some <laughs> there's like a big i think it's like at the top of the ship where there's like a photographer guy taking this photo of a ship full of naked people <laughs> oh my lord is uh, the age the age thing makes sense now but yes it does was the photographer sense. also nude is my question i do not remember I feel like at that point I would be I would feel more awkward if I was fully dressed while everybody else was naked. That's true. That's true. What are you doing, dude? Drop it. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, dude. Come on. <laughs> I don't think I could even see the photographer. And then of course some people are like jumping in the pool and they're like, "Ah, oh, floaters." And <laughs> yeah, and then everybody puts the robes back on and and walks calmly away. So that's do you, wait, you do you literally drop them like do you like on the floor oh gosh i don't remember yeah yeah i think everybody just dropped them 
How awkward is that moment after the picture has been taken where you're all just standing oh. around naked with each other and you have yet to stop and you bend down, pick up your robe and slowly put it right. back on? Why don't I remember this? I think I, <laughs> I don't want to say I think I was down front. I don't know. Everybody gave each other space. I don't remember. I don't think there was anyone in front of me because that would have been, that well, been you're, weird. You're not a large human being. So I'm that not. makes sense. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I certainly didn't, like, look around or anything. It was just like, ah! I would, goddammit. I just had to take my pants off. I'm, 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 I'm doing full 360. I'm, I'm just take it all in. I mean, everybody is, is there and naked by consent. And, we, uh, right. yeah. we have consented yeah. to this. <laughs> there are a lot of us. It is not weird. Only that, only that stupid photographer up there is holding out. Right. That chump. <laughs> so needless to say, I went on ships and dip, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, found a, a couple of, of random internet strangers. One was a, a guy from Germany who was originally going to go with other like diehard BNL fr- uh, friends of his who couldn't make it. Um, and the other was a girl from Toronto who was just doing this solo and loved BNL so much and just wanted to find roommates. And so the three of us became roommates before having other ever met each other. <laughs> and, um, in the meantime, I absolutely could not take it anymore. And I'm like at work, I'm like, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I can't, I can't do this. I am living a miserable life and I don't care what happens. I just can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I, I gave them plenty of notice. I was told I was doing a perfectly good job and, and really, really, it's okay. You're doing just fine. I don't care that I'm doing just fine. <laughs> I hate everything. <laughs> and um, yeah, so they, yeah. they found a new teacher. I did the responsible thing and you know gave them notice and and then i was out of there uh i think i think i lasted one quarter like half a semester (laughs) and yeah so now i had no job but damn it i was going on ships and dip that was that was settled and yeah i took like two months to just lay around the house and read all the time and kind of recover my my mental health i guess because i was just mm-hmm. so um messed up after that yeah the response of you're doing great is just like so <laughs> incredibly toned down like, my mean, job performance is not the issue i mean i don't i don't think i collapsed into a little puddle in front of them like i like i was on the inside but yeah it was kind of like no i don't i can't no no sorry what if you like but what if you did? Would do you think they still would have been like you're doing great, sweetie? As you like were curled into the fetal <laughs> on the floor, like what a ridiculous thing to ask somebody who is dealing with mental health issues. Possibly, I I don't know. But I remember as I was on my way out, I think one of the teachers mentioned something like, "Oh, I I just I couldn't care less about English. I don't I don't really have any particular attachment to English. I just love teaching kids." And I'm like, "That's the problem." I really liked English and I don't really like these brats who don't want to be here. 
so I, I was out of there and uh, eventually with enough begging was able to get back at Starbucks where once you've worked for Starbucks, you can always go back to Starbucks. It's a good, a good place to always have a, <laughs> a cushion, <laughs> so to speak. Um, and like the first thing I did was make sure that that, that ships and dip week, like, nope, I'm, I know I just got a job here, but I'm, I'm taking off that week. That's happening. And yes. So I, I took a bus from Orlando to Miami and I think met these two entirely random internet people <laughs> at the Miami airport for the first time. Sarah, Sarah, before we keep going, can we just talk about how like your whole like even before your adult life has just been I'm gonna fly across the country and, and hang out with random people I've never met before. <laughs> Yep, haven't been murdered yet. <laughs> I'm going for a lifelong streak. No. Well, I mean, that's I, no matter how long the streak is, it's going to be lifelong. <laughs> that was a stupid joke. <laughs> that is. I'll put a boot track in there just so the audience knows how bad. Oh, okay. Excellent. Excellent. Um, okay, so the, the, the guy from Germany, Mike, was really cool and apparently, like, he apparently sort of knew them ish and, you know, got us like a guitar pick and a drumstick. And like, like he was, he was a, a really good dude. Um, and then Aubrey, uh, the, the girl from Toronto, she and I remain very close friends to this day. <laughs> nice. And, um, and I have crashed her place in Toronto. Gosh, at least three or four times. Once for like almost a week. Another time to run a half marathon in Toronto because like you should run a half marathon in Toronto. And um, yeah, so I made a really good friend out of the whole thing. And um, there was, oh, oh, the other thing was you were only supposed to get one, um, one ticket to one of the three like big BNL shows in the evening, like in the big concert hall. And they had mm -hmm. little things going on, like all over the all over the ship all the time, but um, but our awesome friend Mike, uh, because of his like connections and hookups, he just knew to ask, you know, could we maybe get a ticket to all three nights? And so we got tickets to all three nights because I think Ships and Dip wasn't doing as well as it had <laughs> in the past, <laughs> which is why it never happened again <laughs> after this. So sure. we got tickets to all three nights. It was it was great, and, and uh, yeah. So I just made a really good friend um, on a cruise with the bare naked ladies, and we got naked. <laughs> Sarah, you live a very strange. Not to say it hasn't been difficult, because obviously there have been some difficult moments in your life, but a strangely privileged life, regardless <laughs> of all your hard times. So yeah, but just these random people I met there like you want to go you want to do this thing that we're not supposed to be able to do and we and I got to do the thing. Yes, I am I am aware that <laughs> it's, it's very strange and um yeah, I'm I'm very lucky that I have not been murdered. <laughs> Maybe that'll be the title of this episode. <laughs> this episode needed a good title. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hmm. There's some other like bare naked ladies nerdy moments because I'm a nerd. Um, the first time I ever went to Toronto before ships and dip and before meeting my friend Aubrey, who I can now crash with whenever, (laughs) um, I was still living outside of Chicago and I had another friend who lived in Flint, Michigan, and she really wanted to to go to Niagara Falls and I had never been to Niagara Falls and we decided to road trip it. I think it was, it was in May because May is like springtime and we don't have springtime in Florida. So this was like the perfect time for a massive road trip. And because we were going to Niagara Falls, I was like, can, can, can we go to Toronto afterward? I've never been to Toronto and one of my favorite bands in the whole world is from Toronto and I've just always wanted to see Toronto. So, so she consented, but she probably, (laughs) probably regretted because I was forcing us to listen to bare naked ladies in the car the whole time and just being a big nerd about the whole thing. And, um, I think right when, when we were, when we were walking around Toronto, I think she pulls out one of those free newspapers and she's like, is this that band you were talking about? And I'm like, yes. They have, they have their own ice cream flavor now, <laughs> which oh is right when they came out with the, if, if I, I had, had a million, million flavors. flavors, yes, yes. <laughs> so, so that was my first time in Toronto and the, the tulips were blooming and everything was beautiful. I was convinced that if I could move to Toronto, I possibly might because everything was just so lovely in May. But then I, um. I wanted to see the Horseshoe Tavern, um, which is like one of the gigs BNL played that that got them like their big start or whatever. They that was a thing, the Horseshoe Tavern. Yeah, I just I'm like I'm gonna be back to Toronto. This is this is a great city. And um, there was another time when I went back by myself, and I think I this was oh this was the summer after. I lived in the commune and then I had like a week to kill and I'm like, I'm going to take a bus to Toronto because, (laughs) because I could. And then I was checking out all the like, like little minute Toronto song references. Um, Like in the old apartment where they, we bought an old house on the Danforth. I -hmm. I had to just go walking around down the Danforth. It's, it's a cute little neighborhood, kind of like lots of, um, lots of Greek culture and Greek restaurants and stuff. Um, But also old houses where one might buy an old house on the Danforth. Or an old apartment. Another one yes. of my favorite Danforth songs. <laughs> and let's see, on a like sadder note, there's um, in War on Drugs, where uh, Stephen Page sings about people committing suicide off, off of mm-hmm. a, uh, the viaduct bridge. There's that is like on the way to the Danforth that the bridge that he's singing about. And so I like walked by that and there is indeed a net to try to prevent people from, from doing that. Not that it stops anybody like, like he says, but Oh, one other weird thing in, or sorry, on all in good time, Kevin sings on a song called Jerome about like a ghost town in Arizona, <laughs> Jerome, Arizona. Okay. Uh, I also drove up a mountain to go to that one time when I was in Sedona. Just to be a nerd. 
Here I am in nice. Jerome. There's a VNL song about it. I'm good. <laughs> it's pretty. It's up on a mountain. Maybe there's ghosts. <laughs> Maybe there's ghosts. <laughs> I mean, that was that was basically what what Kevin sings. <laughs> you can you can practically see the ghosts uh, hanging out in this this weird old ghost town. That's another potential episode title. Maybe there's ghosts. <laughs> Maybe. So you mentioned how, like, you stopped the teaching job because, like, I don't want to be around, to paraphrase, I don't want to be around these shit gremlins. Pretty much. Uh, but then now you, you're a librarian for kids. How did... Yes. So, <laughs> explain. So... America, explain. Uh, okay, to be fair, I did go into teaching um, because... I loved getting my English degree and I didn't, I mean, people are like, what are you going to do with that? I'll teach. Of course. That's, that's what people do when they love getting their English degree. So, um, yeah, that was, that was unwise (laughs) as I now know, but actually what, what ended up happening was right as I was on my way out at that school, there were a couple of different, English teachers who were all talking about um, who was going to go for the um, like the the school librarian media specialist's job after she retired, and they mm-hmm. were all talking like, "Oh, well, um, well, that lady she had a, a master's of library and information science that that she got from FSU online, and and so." to be highly competitive for that position, you know, you'd want to go get that master's degree online. And, um, and that, that school librarian, she had been like pretty helpful and kind to me when I brought my class to the library, like, okay, this is my assignment. And, um, my assignment that I've given them and she's going to teach them about the different databases that they could use to complete my assignment. And I like <laughs> took a deep breath and like, Oh my gosh, she's going to deal with them for a few minutes. Phew. Um, but she didn't have to like grade any of their papers or argue with their parents about whether or they did or did not turn things in and have a conference out of it. Like she just got to teach them about databases and then, as far as I knew, that was it. <laughs> and then so there's I, somebody else's problem. Right. <laughs> so these English teachers are like bickering about who's going to go for her job. And I think I, I might've said something that, that kind of expressed a, a teeny bit of curiosity or interest. And, and they were all like, Oh, if you can't handle this, you couldn't handle that. There's no way. <laughs> like, Okay, fine. That's what you say, but I'm still, filing that little bit of information away that that you can do this with a with this different master's degree you know different from the one that i had just spent thousands of dollars on (laughs) sure yeah so during the course of my time working at starbucks i started saving up to to go back for that other degree uh there was some i was trying to figure out like Part of me wanted to go back to Illinois and try to do it there just because um, I was <laughs> I was trying to figure things out. I, I wanted to kind of get back into the world, but it, it turned out to be, you know, most affordable when you already have student loans to, um, to just do it the cheapest way possible, which is online. <laughs> 
And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, after saving up, working at Starbucks, I started that degree online. And about, I guess like a month or two into working on that degree, really, I just wanted my foot in the door at any kind of library. I had zero experience working in a library at all. I just wanted to to shelve stuff or be a like a customer service desky person like at a public library just to just to have a foot in the door and some library experience. But uh, my cl- like I interviewed as a clerk and didn't get it. Um, but then, okay, so like a month into this degree that I just started, I get an interview for a part-time youth services librarian position where you had to have, you had to have like started this degree, uh, you know, if not have the degree. And I had started it a month ago, so I got an interview. Uh, I very, I've maintained that the the key to being a good children's librarian is shamelessness. You just have to have no shame <laughs> and stand up uh, in front of, you know, several seated adults who are your interview panel and stick tiny frog stickers on your fingers and burst into a rendition of five green and speckled frogs and jump up when the frogs jump and just be very spirited about it. And <laughs> Uh, sometimes that gets you a job. Wait. Well, well, hold on. What, you don't know the song? <laughs> First of all, why the fuck would I know that song? It's a children's Second of song. All, <laughs> to a child. Little known fact, never a child. I, I was born with a beard. No, like, I don't, I don't. I grew up in Oklahoma and in, like, in church. So, like. Oh, so I you grew were singing, singing churchy songs. I was singing like Onward Christian Soldier because we I grew up in an authoritarian Baptist church. That's that's what I grew up in, not this hoppy frog oh. shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so that's rough. Back to kids these days, back in my day. <laughs> we sing along to Christo fascist anthems and we were happy with it, okay? I'm sure somewhere, somewhere in Oklahoma, there was a public library where people were singing happy songs about frogs. <laughs> we had, we have libraries, but nobody in Oklahoma is happy, even when they're singing about frogs. <laughs> Five sad green speckled frogs sitting on a sad green speckled log. <laughs> okay. Those frogs will pull themselves up by their whatever frogs wear that are like boots and that have straps. I'm picturing that, and it's it's pretty funny. They gotta put flies on the table, you know. They do go to work, frogs. So oh, yeah, that boy. is a that is. What is your life? That is what is that? How is that a? How is that a? How is how? So so I'm picking out the funny part. Like the other half of librarianship that you actually go to school for is you know the reference services and. Um, collection development and, and, you know, ordering a balanced collection and weeding the collection and um, sort of larger scale designing and developing and implementing programs that promote literacy. And um, ultimately for me, I love the library because anyone at the library is choosing to be there generally. Um, Mm -hmm. 
and we do not have standards that have to be met and you have to prove that you met these outcomes these learning outcomes and standards and like when i left the schools that was that was being like stomped down until any soul of of loving your subject area was was just squashed out and stomped out like so we have none of that so it was the american educational system (laughs) yeah at the oh, library. Oh. We are here okay. to have fun and we, we want to make reading fun and any other enriching activities that you have interest in that are not directly reading related are awesome too. Like like 3D printing and heck, there are some larger library systems than mine that have recording studios and like, you know, fancy computers where you can learn Photoshop and, you know, all those programs I can't afford. Um so, so it's about enrichment and, and learning and lifelong learning. And, um, I like that a lot better than the stupid American education system. <laughs> <laughs> Much better fit. Who knew? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about BNL and I feel like we can't really talk about Bare Naked Ladies at length and not talk about our late friend Blake, who uh, was my best friend through most of high school, uh, and, which you said that you all had dated for a while. And that's, kind of, that's really how we got to know each other was through him. Yeah. And uh, it's hard to talk. We were both sitting down to like, before this podcast to kind of refresh ourselves going back through the catalog. And, um, I hadn't put a whole lot of thought into that and I don't listen to bare naked ladies a whole, whole lot just casually. Um, at least I haven't recently. And so when I was going back through their catalog, this is, this is going to be fine. I'm just going to do this and I'll cram it all in. So I'm, I feel up to date that way. If there's anything that Sarah brings up, I don't sound like a complete idiot. And then I had way more feelings than I expected to um, because of that association. The record Maroon in particular, which was one of Blake's favorites. It it was a lot <laughs> uh, for me, at least. Yeah, I was having lots of feels as I kind of... I, I was doing the same thing going back through it because... Um, like these albums were like so powerful for me in this particular period. And I still love them. I just hadn't was going through it. I'm like, man, why don't I, why don't I listen to these like all the time? Like I used to. Um, And, and there was a lot of, a lot of memories of Blake, a lot of um, sort of being zapped back to that, to that period of my life. Um, I did, like I talked about, sort of go through a, a time um, when, when that relationship ended. But, um, but Blake and I were really good friends before we dated and um, sort of processing. We and our whole group of friends sort of really had to do a lot of grieving together. But I kind of had the same thing going on. Um, when I was re-listening to a lot of my BNL favorites and and 
you know, kind of just being zapped back to the the time when you first were getting to know a song and falling in love with a song. Um, and really, Blake was the one who who reintroduced me to to BNL um, through through that burned copy of <laughs> Bare Naked Ladies <laughs> Army. Um, and so, yeah, I'm always going to carry a little of that association, even, even though weirdly BNL also helped me cope with the end of that relationship. But, um, but the end of a relationship is one thing. Somebody leaving this world way before their time is another. Mm-hmm. Even though Blake and I did not stay in very close touch um, in the aftermath of, um, you know, of ending that relationship, we did for a, a little bit, but I think I, I needed a lot of space. Mm-hmm. And by the time I didn't need that space anymore, I guess there was nothing really prompting me to get back in close touch or whatever by the time I had taken that time. But um, about a year and a half ago, uh, out, of, out of nowhere, Blake messaged me, reached out to me, and just wanted to let me know, um, just sent me a link to this new version of the old apartment that BNL had just collaborated with Persuasions on. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was just this gorgeous, harmonious, like just beautiful version of, of this song that I had already loved for many years. And, and I told him, that was awesome. Thank you so much for for sharing that with me. I, I really needed to to hear that just beautiful, harmonious version of this beloved song. Um, and and that was the last time um, we were in touch. I thanked him, and I I could have kept the conversation going, but I was traveling at that time, like <laughs> as as I'm wont mm-hmm. to do, and. I'm really, really grateful. And I'm, it seems a little bit selfish to like <laughs> be grateful that, um, that we had that last interaction and that he reached out to me and was kind of like a, you know, an olive branch. Like we both truly, truly love BNL and he just wanted to let me know about this new version of this song. And I mean, in hindsight, hindsight, you always, I, I wish that we had kept talking, um, that mm-hmm. there was something more um, before he passed away. But I'm so grateful for that one little message and that one sort of moment of sharing that song before, um, before he passed away. No, for sure. Uh, I had, I had that, that similar instance at that five iron show there. Yeah. It, it wasn't even, it wasn't even a conversation. It was just a, Hey, like we like a slug on the arm and like a nod just to like, like, yeah, we like, we, we did the thing. We, we went to this show that we wanted to, and we never got to. And now, uh, independent of one age and another, we have, we still ended up here and finally did the thing. And and maybe it's selfish, maybe, but 
it, yeah, it feels disingenuous not to acknowledge it, if, to not be like, hey, like, I'm like to express gratitude for those moments. Right. And how selfish can it be to be grateful for a moment of reconciliation or a moment of, of it's okay? And I think that anybody in the moment of knowing that it's their time would, would want um, the important people in their life, even if, even if there's been estrangement or, you know, things that have happened throughout the years and you've grown apart. I, I think somebody, especially somebody like Blake, would want those important people to, to have those moments and those memories that, um, that he gave us. For sure. That sounds cheesy as hell, but, but there you have it. No, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. I think that's accurate. I don't think there's anything wrong with stepping back and being like, especially after some, we, we both kind of cut off contact with Blake around the same time and yeah. holding like, Having uh, this community of, of people that know him all through that singular, like, a, a message board from the early 2000s of, of, of a synth-pop band that's a side project of a dead ska band in, like, <laughs> CCM. Like, it's ludicrous, but... That's like, the best description, and that's, that's exactly, that's all it is. That's, but that's what it is. Um, and, like, to have... Uh, he he brought us all back together again in yeah. in a in a way that maybe only he could have done. He did it. He did it once. Whenever that board went under, and mm-hmm. invited everybody to be like, "Hey, we can't lose each other. Like we can't we can't lose this community." Uh, especially at, like I I remember what like Blake and I were going through at that time, and yeah, it it was. It was an important thing, and it felt like it was it was family. It was it was a connection that we didn't want to lose when we were both losing connections to other people in our lives that, or we felt estranged or isolated because, like like you do whenever you you get out of high school and you become your own person. And he, I mean, he held us together in that fallout, and then, unfortunately, in passing galvanized everybody to kind of like recoalesce and be like, Hey, we're not, we need to, we need to not take this for granted. And it sucks that that's what it took, but I'm glad that we all have each other again. Me too. And getting back in touch with you, uh, especially seeing because we kind of lost contact at the same time, that sort of similar arc of, of uh, things got messy and then we were estranged and then we were off doing our own thing and handling our own stuff and then there was that moment of like hey everything's okay uh, and we both have these kind of moments to latch onto and then I don't know like I, for me that sucks because in a way because like I feel like that should have been I should have been smarter I should have been I should have taken that opportunity to reconnect and that's something I still wrestle with. I still, I haven't, I spoke to him like that night in t- 2014. And prior to that, like we hung out for like a period of like four or five years where we were really close. But like th- this dude still pops up and like, I still have dreams about this dude. And he uh, hasn't been on this planet for the last like four months. We lost him entirely too young, but 
it feels, I don't know. Like, I still kick myself for not being like, why didn't I, why wasn't I, like, a more amicable, mature person in that moment? Why didn't I reach out? Why didn't I work harder to rekindle those connections? Um, Because when you're, like, 20, in your late 20s and 30s, like, you're not thinking about, you're not thinking about the people you know dying. That's not. Not even on the radar. No, that's nowhere in your, like, that's not even in your fucking head that that's a thing that's going to happen. Oh, it was really crazy. And in, it, I mean, it was, it was some kind of comfort to, to know that you were feeling the same arc that I was with that, that sort of being estranged from Blake, but, but never, like, never thinking this would happen and, and thinking that, well, down the road you know, there's, there's all the time in the world to, mm-hmm. I don't know, eventually for things to come back around. And I kick myself too, especially because I was freaking in Tulsa the year before I'm, I wanted to get together with you and then, and just, I got in late and I was really only there for one night and then ran a race. And it had crossed my mind to reach out to Blake too, like separately from you. Cause I knew that you guys weren't, but then I was like, well, why would I reach out to him? Like, you know, I I felt like, I mean, I guess it's it's a the estrangement is a bit different when <laughs> when it was the result of a of a breakup. But gosh, Blake, sure. he truly, truly like was cool, like going back to being friends, and like would call me and you know be the person to just like chat with me. I was still the other weird layer to my story was that I I was still trying to get comfortable in in Illinois where I you know had moved and was still kind of a a newbie trying to make mm-hmm. friends and stuff um but yeah even after we were not in a relationship anymore I I knew he still cared about me as a friend and um and at that particular time in that particular concept context I couldn't deal with that and so <laughs> that was why we kind of had to stop talking but i mean time passes and it heals and bare naked ladies helped (laughs) but but yeah i i think my estrangement from him was kind of more the like why would you start that back up again but oh my gosh why wouldn't you when when the person was a really dear friend and a lot of fun and just really special to you, even if you're not meant to like be that, that to each other. So, yeah, I mean, I guess this is the, (laughs) all the natural um, regrets when something really unexpected like this happened. I I still can't get my mind around it. I don't get how he cannot be walking around on this earth anymore. And then you start to think about like specific moments like with somebody like gosh the time Blake and I were at the mall and randomly I'm tying this back um the song the, the song easy BNL mm-hmm. comes on which is kind of this is kind of like post like um you know one week mega hit popularity we didn't think this song was that like you know, that's going to be played at the mall. And we just look at each other like, oh my God, 
gosh. <laughs> and like, okay, so stupid moments like that, you think, I'm the only one left that, that remembers that. And I feel like that's why it's, that's why things kind of haunt, haunt our dreams or whatever, because like, it's just, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm the only one left that remembers that and that and that and, and a million other moments or things that you remember, even if they happened a long time ago. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, like we had, Blake and I would drive like all of the, because we both had gone through messy breakups around, around the same time. We would just drive, we were just up all night. We just had insomnia. And so we'd go like Waffle House and then drive wherever. And like, we drove all the way to like the Texas fucking border one night, <laughs> just through random back roads, not on highways, just randomly going. And then he's like, dude, we're like, this is almost intense. We got to turn around. <laughs> that sounds like the best. <laughs> and like, and we did that a lot. And there's like, or like going to his apartment in Stillwater for like band practice every Wednesday night in like the mid to late 2000s. Going down to Guthrie, like whenever he was living with his grandparents down there. Mm-hmm. Or like being in high school or like going to prom as a group. And like there's just, there's, there's so many moments where it was just like me and him driving around in a, or like going to like Guitar Center or to pick or to go look for CDs or like drive out of town for a concert and like that's you're right like that's just that's all that remains of that experience is what's in my head it's like a big burden yeah and like how do i live going forward with that weight how do i not like because i'm the only one that's ever going to remember those things so if like i forget yeah. those things ever happened like that's it right like so do i write them down but what is even what is that that's a dumb thing to do that doesn't do anything but but yeah and like that you're not going to capture if you write it down if i write down like i'm talking to you on a podcast right now to you and the listener and i'm like we drove all the way to the texas border that doesn't mean anything like to like someone casually listening overnight like that's just a random factoid one night me and my friend drove to the texas border almost through the back roads and we randomly ended up there taking random turns all night that means nothing to nobody else compared to like the experience of like being in that moment it was stupid and perfect and you are the only one who knows that now yeah and that that sucks like that that's a lot so i don't think i'm ever going to be able to listen to to bare naked ladies and not think of like like there are just things that he is so intrinsically tied to in my head and in my experience through like media that like i'm not going to be able to sit down and watch the 2003 full metal alchemist which is one of my favorite things in life and not like both interpretations of that. I'm not shitting on brotherhood to everybody who's about to at me and be like, well, two thugs is not as good as the thing. And you need to read the ma-. Like motherfucker. I got a wall of this shit. I love that fucking, I I'm, I get it. Okay. <laughs> Let me talk about my friend. I'm never going to be able to watch that. Like without thinking about Blake again, like that's never, that's not going to be, that's not, that's not just mine anymore. You know? Yeah. And the bizarre thing for me is that I spent so much emotional and mental energy taking ownership of BNL for myself. Like, oh, totally. Uh-uh. He doesn't get to own that. This is my thing. And I am oh. like, they, I am healing from this with BNL. And the funniest thing is that in the, in the very end, you heal and you do your thing and you're good. And, 
and it's still always going to be a bridge to Blake. It is. <laughs> no, <laughs> no matter how you, no matter how you look at it. <laughs> I a hundred percent get that. But it's not a bad thing like it was. It's yeah. None of this is bad. It's just hard to like. It's just hard to navigate. Yeah. It's not something that you're ever that nobody nobody prepares you for these kind of things. It's not something that like when when you watch a movie and you see somebody die, these aren't the conversations the characters have in the aftermath of that. Like it's not something that you ever really think about until you have to grapple with it. Right. So there's that. But <laughs> I feel like we would be remiss to talk about like it it would feel wrong to not talk about Blake on an episode about Bare Naked Ladies, especially between the two of us. So, I'm sure it brought the mood down. Um, we Remember when we were talking about naked photographs? Remember that? <laughs> yep. If only we can get back to there at some point. But, yeah, it, it would feel wrong to not, to not talk about it, even if it brings the mood down. Like, it feels like... I w- it would feel disingenuous to not touch on that. And acknowledge that, like, we like we wouldn't be having this conversation, like, b- period. We would not be having this <laughs> Not in any life. sense. <laughs> no. Zero percent chance. We love you, buddy. Yeah. But yeah, before I, before I took us down that, that <laughs> incredibly dour road, um, all the nervous laughter, not disrespectful laughter, we're just... We're just, we're just goofballs. We're on a roller coaster. Um, roller coaster. Yeah, it's just, we're just having all the emotions and they're leaking out wherever. Is there anything else about Bare Naked Ladies that we haven't talked about that you want to talk about? Um, <laughs> okay, so I'm now past my, past all of my careful notes. And we talked about Blake, which was very important. And I'm glad we did. I was, I was anxious about that leading up to this because I was like, we can't not, we can't not talk about we, we can't not, right? And, like, it's gonna... I didn't know what the whole tone of this thing was. Like, if you came on and it just ended up being, like, a therapy session for an hour, that was fine. And I had prepared myself for that. I was like, well, if that's what we're gonna do, it's gonna... It's, like, it's gonna be necessary for the both of us. And it will still probably be a compelling lesson, hopefully for at least three other people. <laughs> Wait, I, I think I know what it was. I couldn't... I couldn't, like put Blake in the notes like that. Mm-hmm. There was something I couldn't, I couldn't do that. Like that had to be a natural thing. Um, I, do, I do remember as like a, like a sidebar talking about like making mixtapes and playing around with tapes. And I do know mm-hmm. he was into that too. And I'm like, Oh totally. man, you're awesome. You're awesome. <laughs> nineties kids night kids that played with tapes in the nineties, at least (laughs) I did. I did that shit with CDs all the way up through high school. If that is all that you had for me, then it's time to play the again. (laughs) Guys, it's just a speed round. Okay. And I have to answer them very quickly or I mean, you can, we call it a speed round, but it's basically just an excuse for me to put a bad drum beat in the background and ask a bunch of preloaded questions, which I think is is fun for the audience. (laughs) Okay. It just, it just breaks up the pace of the show a little bit right at the end is basically why it exists. So, Sarah, for your first question, what is your favorite Bare Naked Lady song? 
you had to pick one. And what is your favorite Bare Naked Ladies album as well? Oh, man. Um, Sound of Your Voice and Bare Naked Ladies are me. You took a lot of red, like, random trips just in life and over the course of this podcast. What was your favorite trip that you've ever taken? Favorites? Ireland. I've been to Ireland, like, various times. I don't know if I have to pick a time, but... <laughs> uh, now you do. I love Ireland. Now I do. <laughs> um, first time I went as an adult to the Donegal Gale Talked, which is like an Irish Gaelic speaking community. Um, I went to another one in college, but everybody was bratty college kids. Um, <laughs> when, I, when I went as an adult, the adult one, it was a lot of fun and it was like, generational Irish Gaelic speaking immersion experience that was super fun. What is the most meaningful moment you've had that involves Bare Naked Ladies? That first show that's gotta be like up there. That's that might be the most meaningful moment where I was like sort of feeling like I was at rock bottom and I knew they were at something like rock bottom and and that getting through it together, even if I was just projecting that <laughs> onto them kind of moment, um, I think that would be the most special. That's a good answer. That's that's what that is. That's a good answer. Not the robe dropping moment. <laughs> not the not <laughs> disrobing. If you had to fuck Mary Kill between we'll say Steve, Ed, and Tyler. Fuck Mary Kill. Mm. I feel Fuck bad for Tyler right Steve. now. <laughs> Fuck Steve. Mary Ed. Kill Tyler. Yeah, yeah, okay. I yeah. <laughs> saw that coming. You saw that coming. Saw that coming. As soon as I said Tyler, I'm like, well, Tyler's dead. Tyler's fucking dead. <laughs> I mean, he's hilarious, though. <laughs> he is, but he's not hilarious enough to live, apparently. I suppose not. Uh, this might be a controversial question, but if you could, after Stephen Page left the band, if you could replace him with any other musician, who would that be? Oh, this I was not prepared for. I love how I'm thrown off more by this than, than the fuck, Mary kill. <laughs> any musician... We'll say, just for argument's sake, any musician who was alive at the time of Stephen Page's departure. So that you can't be like, well, I I would choose Elvis. (laughs) Elvis would be a dumb choice. (laughs) (laughs) Your problem would be a dumb choice. (laughs) Okay, let's roll with Bono. I'm I'm uh, indecisive. I don't know. I mean, if you've heard one white guy then with glasses, you've heard them all. Right, right. <laughs> uh, tangentially related to that one, if you could do, like, hear a collaboration between Bare Naked Ladies and another artist, what would it be? And don't don't say the persuasions, because that already happened. Oh, man. And they, they did so much of this with their, their like, uh, like, random Canadian friends on Ships and Dip. 
Um, like I know they had the guys from Great Big C. This was really good for like the Steve songs that Steve was no longer around for. So they would like bring in somebody else to to do the Steve. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but again, I, this was years and years ago, and I don't remember all the all the dudes from Great Big C. And there was this hilarious comedian musician guy who Boothby Graffo he was hysterical um I'm I'm tangenting okay but like a proper collaboration they would need some girl power let's give them some girl power um (laughs) I could be my my 90s self say let's let's get them to team up with Lisa Loeb like my other 90s Also, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be super fun. I would love that so much. And then uh, the last speedrun question, I tend to ask this one a lot, along with Fuck, Mary Kill, is if people are listening to this and they are like, hey, Bare Naked Lady sounds pretty good. I've only ever heard one week from them. I'm going to check that out. If they like that, what else would you suggest they check out? Like, give me three recommendations. Okay, let me think here. I should have seen this coming. And I forgot. Um, okay, Serena Ryder. I mean, she opened for them. That that was a good... Uh, I think you would like her if you like BNL. Okay. And... Great Big C. Um, they are from the, like, if they're not from Newfoundland, they're from around still kind of Celtic. Um, like, they have that weird little Irish streak to them, even though they're Canadian. Um, but <laughs> they have that, like, folky, fun rock feel to them, similar to BNL. Uh, so I would recommend Great Big C. And Sister Hazel. Why not? Let's. Let's uh, just do our little nod to the actual 90s. <laughs> there you go. Or that might have been early 2000s. I don't know. Sister Hazel. They're fun. They're from Florida. Well, there you go. That's, that yes. is all the speedrun questions I have for you. Thanks for coming on, Sarah. I appreciate you like carving out some time on uh, a random night to like sit down and, and talk B&L and some heavier topics with me. Thank you for inviting me. Well, no problem. It was an absolute treat. I don't know how like how much of a presence you have online is, but do you have anything you want to plug? Do you have anything you want to be like, kids, stay off drugs. Um, don't 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 do crack cocaine because that's bad. Anything like that? I uh, I appreciate the opportunity to plug. I I don't actually have any kind of like social presence like that. And after some of the things we about, it's it's probably better that way. <laughs> you know, I think that's probably wise. <laughs> I'm Dan Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at Dallas Mulligan. You can find the show at Mindful Self Pod. Please follow the second one. Don't follow the first one because it's just me talking about politics and you'll hate me. And, uh, and yeah, that, that was our show. Thanks again for coming on, Sarah. I appreciate it. Of course.
I'm not going to have a woman on this podcast and be like, so you're like 36, right? <laughs> and Dallas is the least sexist person I know. 